The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasso with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International. And you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. And we've really got a great show in store for you today. First thing that I want to talk about, and we've talked about this a lot on this show, which is understand that God wants to take you to a place where you will be operating in authority. You'll be operating in dominion. When God led the people of God, the Israelites, out of Egypt through the wilderness, he brought them to a land that he promised them. And when they got there, they had to drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Jebusites, and then establish the nation of Israel, which was a nation that was founded by the people of God. God is leading you to a place where you're going to have to establish the kingdom of God. And it's this transfer of influence, affluence, dominion from those that do not serve God to those that do serve God that is going to manifest God's glory here on the earth. The thing that we are striving towards as Christians, as followers of Christ, is that we want the glory of God to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. The prayer that Jesus gave us as his example prayer that is so often prayed, the Lord's Prayer, it starts out, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. That is part of our job, to manifest heaven here on earth. And the way that we're going to do that is through our obedience and our faith. Every move of God requires faith and obedience on the part of the people. So if you've been praying for revival, if you've been believing that you want revival to come in this nation, then it has to start with your faith, has to start with your obedience. You have to ask yourself, okay, what are the things that I have not been allowing God to be Lord over my life in? What are the areas of my life where I have not been exercising my faith? What are the areas of my life where I have not been exercising obedience? You have to ask yourself, these questions because those are the things that are going to prevent the move of God from happening. It is our obedience, it is our faith that's going to decide the extent to which revival comes in this nation. So in the kingdom of God, as believers, we have to examine our own hearts. We have to examine our own hearts and see anything that is not in alignment with God. And it could be something simple that we have not been surrendering to God. It could be something simple where God has been trying to push us out of our comfort zone and we have not been allowing him to operate in that area. Because what I want to tell you now is that even as we don't know it, even as we are completely unaware of what's going on, God is already setting the stage for the body of Christ to move into a place of influence and authority. But the manifestation of that is only going to happen if we step out in faith and if we obey God. And you just have to look at your own life. You know in your own life that God has had a hand on getting you where you are at right now. You just got to focus. Look, God is always faithful and God is always able. He has all the power and the authority. 
When you think about the Israelites coming out of Egypt, right, God performed many miracles for them. We know that God, he sent the many plagues against the Egyptians until the Pharaoh finally let them go. We know that as the Israelites were leaving Egypt and then suddenly Pharaoh changed his mind, he sent all of his chariots after them. And the Israelites, they were surrounded by a sea and mountains on one side and then the chariots coming after them on the other side. And what did God do? Well, he parted the Red Sea so that they could walk across on dry ground and then all the chariots, all the armies of Pharaoh were consumed in the sea. Then we even know how when they wandered in the wilderness and they became hungry and the Israelites were complaining and they were saying we should go back, right? Go back to the place that we knew before. Go back to the old things. Go back to being a slave to the old system so that they could get food and water. Okay, they were complaining about all these things. What did God do? He sent manna from heaven and he even sent quail to provide meat for them. That's in Exodus chapter 16. When the Israelites became thirsty, God brought water from the rock in Exodus chapter 17. Supernatural provision. In a lot of our Christian walk, it seems like it's impossible. It seems like the provision's not going to come. How could something be provided in this impossible situation? And God always comes through. Then as they went through the wilderness, they were led by day by a pillar of cloud, and they were led by night by a pillar of fire every step preordained by the Lord. In Exodus chapter 17, it says that the Amalekites actually rose up against the Israelites. It says in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, it says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with a staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So imagine Aaron standing up there with Moses while he's thinking, man, we got to do something about Moses' hands, right? Moses, your hands can't get tired because every time you lower them, we start to lose. We got to do something. Okay, let's get him a chair. And that's what they did. They got him a chair. And then what happened is that Aaron held up one of his hands and then her held up his other hand. So you just have to imagine Moses with his staff raised sitting on a chair on this hill and Aaron's holding up one hand and her is holding up the other hand. So it says in verse 12, Moses, when his hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Right. OK, Moses, make sure you get some rest. I don't want you getting tired here. We don't want to lose this battle. Aaron and Hur held his hands up on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So it's kind of a funny situation, but that's not normal, right? It doesn't make any sense. What does one guy holding up a staff have to do with the battle that's happening? Because in the natural, he's just wasting his time and energy. But in the supernatural, again, it's our faith and obedience that produces results. It's the specifics of what is being done is not the important part. The important part is whether we are doing what God specifically asked us to do. So Aaron and her were holding Moses' arms up until sunset so that they won the battle. And sometimes God will ask us to do things that don't quite make sense. But that faith, that obedience brings supernatural results. But these are some of the miracles, signs, and wonders the Israelites witnessed 
in their journey from slaves to being in dominion. And that is the journey that we are on. We were slaves to sin and death. We are slaves to the world system. God wants to take us out of that through the wilderness to a land that God has promised to you. The unfortunate part is that a lot of Christians never make it out of the wilderness. The same way that a whole generation of Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. And we're going to get to why that happened. Because understand, it was not God who was unwilling. God was not unwilling to bring the Israelites into the promised land. It was because the Israelites, they did not have faith in God. They did not trust in God and obey him in everything he told them to do. That is why it didn't manifest. So let's talk about a couple more of the signs and wonders that happened leading up to the journey into the promised land. So the Israelites, they come upon a mountain and they name it Mount Sinai. And they kind of cordon it off. Nobody's allowed to go near it because the glory of God was so thick. It says in Exodus chapter 19, verse 14, Moses had gone down to the mountain to the people. He consecrated them and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, prepare yourselves for the third day, abstain from sexual relations. On the mountain of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud all over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. I want you to imagine this happening, right? Suddenly this cloud comes over the mountain and you hear a trumpet sounding, not one that any of your people sounded, one that's coming from heaven. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. And all the people of Israel witnessed this. They witnessed the manifestation of the glory of God. That's truly an amazing sight. So Moses goes up to the mountain, and this is where he gets direction from the Lord. He gets Ten Commandments. He gets all of these instructions. And it's interesting because God, he tells Moses a promise that he intends to manifest. In Exodus chapter 23, verse 20 through 33, God says to Moses, See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your people and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hittites, Canaanites, and Hivites out of the way. I will not drive them out in a single year because the land will become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. 
I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and I will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. So what does God promise Moses here? Don't worship other gods. Obey everything that I tell you and this angel that I am sending before you. And this angel is going to drive out all of these enemies on your behalf. He's going to go ahead of you. He's going to do all the heavy lifting. This promise was already in place before the Israelites arrived in the promised land. But these Israelites, they never saw the manifestation of this promise. They never saw the manifestation of this angel. And this is the reason why. In Exodus chapter 24, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. And while he was on the mountain, he was getting direct instructions from God. Okay, this is where he got the designs for the Ark of the Covenant. He got outlines exactly the materials that they're going to use. He's outlining the exact dimensions, the kind of engravings and carvings that are going to be on it. It's very detailed. He even tells them what the table's going to look like, what the lampstand in the temple's going to look like. He gives instructions concerning the tabernacle, what kind of materials they're going to use when they're making the curtains, what kind of colors there's going to be. Every single part of it, very detailed instructions. And this is what the body of Christ has to understand, is that the plan and the vision has to come from God. Moses enters the presence of God, and God is the one who gives him the designs. God is the one who gives him the kind of materials he's going to use, exactly what it's going to look like. And this is what you have to understand. This is true for pastors, and this is true for those of you in the business sector, in the technology sector, even in the arts and the entertainment the vision has to come from God. God wants to give the body of Christ new designs. God wants to give the body of Christ new inventions, new ideas. But it's not something that is to be polluted by our own understanding. It is not something to be polluted by the world's systems and ways of doing things. God is going to be the one to show you the exact vision that you need to work towards manifesting on this earth. It's something that we discover. We don't make the vision for ourselves. God is going to reveal it to you, and that is a part of your destiny to manifest that. God goes on. He gives even instructions regarding the priestly garments, the ephod, the breastpiece. And it's something funny. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 42, God even gives instructions on the kind of undergarments the priests are supposed to wear. Write down the materials, write down to the size and length, but understand, God is very detailed about the kind of vision that he gives you. And if you spend time in his presence, man, he will work out the specific details for every aspect of the plan. So it goes on and on about the consecration of priests, altar of incense, atonement money. God even specified the workers, the craftsmen that are going to be working on the tabernacle and all of these things that God had instructed Moses to build. Exodus chapter 31, starting with verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. 
And I filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab son of Ahisamech, of the tribe of Dan, to help him, and I have given ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I have commanded you. Verse 11. They are to make them just as I commanded you. So God not only gave instructions about the designs, the visions, the materials, what's going to be built, but he even gave instructions on who's going to be the one to build it, who are the workers going to be. And that's what's really important. When God has given you a vision, it's also very important to understand who you include with you on your journey to manifest that vision. Because if you allow the wrong people into that inner circle, there's a lot of people that will try to turn it into their own thing. And then it ceases to be what has been led of the Lord and starts to become people competing for political power, basically. There's a lot of politics that go on in the office. There's a lot of politics that go on in businesses or all kind of ventures. If you don't allow God to not only show you the designs and the vision, but also help you pick the right people to manifest it, you're going to run into problems. But so, the Israelites, though, they caused a lot of problems for themselves. So while God was showing all these visions to Moses, while God was showing these specific instructions that they were supposed to do, and their faith and obedience was going to manifest the manifestation of God's promise to the Israelites. So while God was working to manifest his promise with the Israelites, what did the Israelites do while Moses was on that mountain? Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me, so that all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed them and made it into an idol cast into the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And then they built an altar and started worshiping this golden calf and dancing and doing all kinds of crazy things. But I want you to notice, see how quick the Israelites were to make a god of their own. As soon as Moses was gone, for little more than a month, they witnessed the parting of the Red Seas. They witnessed the manna from heaven. They witnessed the water from the rock. They witnessed all of these signs and miracles. But when Moses was gone for a little more than a month, 40 days, they were so quick to replace God with an idol. And the important thing I want you to gleam out of this, it was an idol that was modeled by their own making, that was built with their own hands. And this is something that is happening in the body of Christ. We are so quick to replace God with a God that is modeled after our own image, something that we have built with our own hands, our resources, our know-how, our understanding. This is the big struggle that humans throughout the course of history have been trying to do. They're trying to replace God with a God of their own design. We want to fashion a God in our own image. We want to take the credit. We want to be able to fashion our destiny according to our own design rather than God's. And this is what the Israelites did. And Moses came down, and we know the story. He was very angry. He threw the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments down and broke them. And God was very angry as well. 
He said to Moses, They have been quick to turn away from what I have commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed it, and they said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So in the same chapter, verse 19, it says, When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. He then took the calf that the people had made, burned it with fire, And then ground it into powder. He scattered it into water and made the Israelites drink it. Okay, so Moses was pretty angry, right? I'm going to grind up your idol and I'm going to make you drink the water that's filled with the powder of this idol. And then Moses goes over to Aaron and he said, what have you done that you have led these people into such a great sin? And Aaron, man, he gives the weakest excuse. I tell you what, he says in verse 24, Oh, they came to me and they said, make a God. So I just took the gold and put it into the furnace and out came a calf. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's what happened. Sure, Aaron, whatever. And what you have to understand, Aaron, he was the spiritual leader, right? He was the head of the priests. He was the spiritual leader in this situation. He had no sense of responsibility. And as soon as Moses was gone, he immediately caved to the demands of the people. Verse 24, so I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. And then they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. No sense of responsibility, no backbone or anything. He immediately caved to the demands of the people. And he was the spiritual leader in this situation. There are a lot of spiritual leaders that have caused only problems for the body of Christ. So in verse 31, Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sins. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. So see, Moses is trying to bargain on behalf of these people. Despite themselves, Moses is trying to bargain on behalf of them. But God replies to Moses, Whoever sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go lead the people to the place I have spoken of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. So notice, even though Moses tried to negotiate with God, God was not up for negotiation on this situation. Moses tried to barter a little bit, and God said, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But I want you to notice what God said. God said, now go lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. God still intended to manifest this angel to go ahead of them and take the promised land. Despite this sin, Despite all these things that the Israelites did and despite the things that we've done in our own lives, God still intends to manifest the promised land in our lives. He still intended to do it. But these Israelites did not see the manifestation. Because several chapters later, God instructs Moses to send spies into Canaan. And when they looked around, what did they see? They saw giants, right? The Hittites, Jebusites. Canaanites, they saw fortresses. They saw the enemy and were afraid of them. And when they came back, they gave a bad report and they said, and they spread murmurs amongst the people, right? If we go up against them, we are only like locusts in their eyes, not remembering that God said he would send the angel ahead of them to drive out the enemies, not remembering that he said that he would put fear in the heart of every nation that opposed them. But they did not believe the word of God. They did not believe in his promises. So because of this, God sent them into the wilderness for 40 years, and he had to wait for the next generation to manifest his promise. And we see the manifestation of this promise in Joshua. When Joshua, before he goes, 
to take on Jericho, an angel appears before him. The angel gives him specific instruction. The angel says, walk around Jericho for six days. Then on the seventh day, walk around it and blow the trumpet. And if you remember the promise, God said, obey everything that this angel tells you to do. That was the instruction. So Joshua and the Israelites that followed him obeyed the instruction that came with God's promise. They're the ones who saw the manifestation. So it's up to us. Either we can be the generation that enters the promised land, that drives out the dark forces in this nation, that works to establish the kingdom of God, works to establish that vision that God intends to manifest in your life, or we become one of those generations that is sent to wander back in the wilderness so that God can find somebody that will obey him, somebody that will have faith in him. And that's the choice that we have today, brothers and sisters. But I am out of time for today, so I hope you were blessed by this message. And if you were blessed, as always, you can support this broadcast and this ministry by going to SOGMI.org slash donate. Again, that is SOGMI.org slash donate. We are supported by listeners just like you. Every single one of you that donates goes into preaching the gospel and discipling the body of Christ. My name is Joshua Sasso with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International, and you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Thank you for listening. We all hope you were blessed by this message today. If you were, let us hear from you. If you wish to contact us or sow a seed, our phone number is 210-396-7891. And for Saturday's program, call us at 210-695-1630. Send all emails to sonsofgod at satx.rr.com and all letters to P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023. For more info, including service times and upcoming events, find us at www.sogmi.org. That's www.sogmi.org.